0: Um, I probably will regret what I'm about to do uh, because I'm just I'm just giving vent to my own frustrations. And R.C. Sproul told me one time never to do that. Um, um, but we're ultimately going to spend most of our time on um, on verses 30 through um, 32. But I, I want to just take a minute um, to mention something out of verse 29. It's not. It's not a complex text. It's not a, it's not a mysterious text. He says simply, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. That is, Paul has this plan to go to Rome. Um, and uh, he's on his way first to Jerusalem to drop off some uh, financial aid to uh, those who are starving. And, and he says, I know when I come to you, when I ultimately get there to Rome, I will come um, in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now, here's, that's not hard. To 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 explain, I, th- I mean, you know, it doesn't take much comment from me to for you to understand that. The the thing that that really um um that that is kind of a pet peeve of mine has to do with the word blessing because um, <laughs> I can still hear preachers using just God's gonna just gonna give us some blessings. Just blessings galore, and it's it's not the pronunciation of the word that's my pet peeve. It's the idea of what's behind, what's what's contained in that word blessing. By the way, the word is not blessing. The word is blessing. Uh, It has a G on the end. But um, what what is that? Um, And and I think um, you know, Paul ultimately made it to Rome, and when he made it there, he was chained to a Roman soldier. Now, would, do you think that Paul would call that the blessing or the fullness of the blessing? You know, somehow I think he would. I'm not sure we would, but I think he would. And Because I think we've got this mistaken notion of what blessing is. Blessing for us is, you know, he's just going to pour out abundant blessings. That means we're going to have more sales We're going to make more money. Our stocks are going to, you know, increase in value. Our health is going to be great. And and our kids are going to be darlings. And, you know, and our marriage is going to be just really joy. And and our house is going to sell for $300,000 more than we paid for it. Blessings. There you go. Blessings. Um, and ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that's just not in the mind of, uh, of the scriptures. I, I want to sh- just show you a couple of places. If you can find Ephesians 1 real fast. Um, now, j- just take what I said. And of course, you can add 50 more things to the list that I just mentioned. But let me read you this out of Ephesians 1, 3. Okay. Um, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now, do you think any of those words have anything to do with financial prosperity? <laughs> um, you know, the, the Beatitudes, which most of you know where the Beatitudes are found. The, the Beatitudes are the opening oh, I don't know, 12 verses of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. The Beatitudes are the first 12 verses of chapter 5. You know, the Sermon on the Mount is 5, 6, and 7 of the Gospel of Matthew. Um, and the Beatitudes are just that first 12 verses. And they all start with the word blessed. Not blessed. Blessed. If you park your car, it is not parked. It is parked. Um, it's Blessed. ...are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that... Are hungry. Now, you know, are translations... ...and I bet you, some of them, some of you... ...have one of those translations... ...in your possession at this very moment... ...who take the word blessed... ...and they translate it... ...happy. Ladies and gentlemen, that is not the meaning... ...of that Greek word. Happy. 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 Happiness is a warm puppy. Um, and so when we come to this word, you know, where he's going to arrive in the fullness of blessing. Well, you want to know how he arrived? He arrived chained to a Roman soldier as a prisoner and stayed in a Roman prison for the next two years. Do you think that Paul considered that the fullness of blessing? Not in our terms. But certainly in his. Certainly in these and And all I want to do uh, again i 'm just giving vent to one of my uh, pet peeves is that word blessing what what does it what does it conjure up in the minds of what does it conjure up in our minds? I want you to see it in one other place and um, and then i we'll move on to the other subject but it 's in numbers chapter six now i i 'm not sure that you know this, but maybe you do on numerous occasions uh, at the end of the service. Um, I pronounce a benediction. Now, um, you know, I I think I've said this to you before. A benediction is not a prayer. So when when I hold up my hand to pronounce a benediction and you bow your heads, that is inappropriate. A benediction is not a prayer. A benediction is a benediction. Bene dictum. It's a good word. And there are several that are found in uh, in the New Testament, but there's one very famous one in the Old Testament. And it's in Numbers chapter 6. It's called the Aaronic Blessing. Um, and, and it's the one that says, May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's the Aaronic. That is, it comes from Aaron. <laughs> Aaron, you know, was the priest. Well, the Aaronic, the, the, when 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 Aaron would stand before the people um and dismiss them the the thing that he would say to them is this may the lord bless you what went off in their heads i don't know but i know what goes off in the average evangelicals head blessing commanding blessing me. I need a new car. I need a swimming pool this summer. The kids are going to drive me crazy. I need this. I need this. A blessing. No. In fact, ladies and gentlemen, I say to you that the rest of this blessing here, or this word bless, and, and, and this is not really completely fair, but close to fair, um, the rest of this, rest of these words are defining for you what the scriptures mean by blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. You know, guys, um, being brought face to face with God. When I say blessing, does anybody think oh, being brought face to face with God? Anybody? Because guys that's what the scriptures the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you I, I I will say this that one verse that I read you out of Ephesians chapter one that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in every place is this is what's in mind, not that stuff that you're adding up um, in your in your portfolio. this is what he has in mind. May the Lord lift up his countenance um, you know um, again it's a mention. It's a it's a different form of the Hebrew word, but um, it's 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 a reference to his face that you might be brought into intimacy. With this God, ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that if your idea of blessing is a bigger portfolio and more financial ease and a swimming pool for the kids this summer and a new car. Then you cannot go to Rome as Paul did in the fullness of his blessing. But if your idea of blessing is having some sense of intimacy with with God, you can go chained to a Roman soldier. You can experience the fullness of his blessing chained to a Roman soldier, rotting in a prison. If you've got that concept, this one, Leviticus 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. You know, the, the Jews have a concept, uh, and it's a good one. And uh, I wish it was more prevalent among us. It is, it is, of course, the concept of shalom. And that's a word that's just pregnant. It's just brimming with, with, with stuff crammed in it. Because, you know, if I were to ask you to give me one word, you'd probably give me the word peace as an equivalent, as a synonym. And that's a good one. But it's far more than that. Shalom for the Jew. I mean, it's a greeting. And if you go to Jerusalem, and they still use it. Shalom. And of course, it's been eviscerated of its meaning. But um, shalom had to do with, with this. It had to be. It had to do with being brought into intimacy, Um, face-to-face. You know, ladies and gentlemen, right now, um, you and I are looking at each other, and there's not a whole lot of intimacy. But the closer this face gets with your face, the more intimate the moment becomes to the point that if I get real close to your face, we've got scandal (laughs) because there's too much intimacy being experienced by you and me. That's what's in this word. That you be brought face to face. Kissable. Um, so when, when, when you, when Paul says, I, I, I arrive in the blessing guys, um, the idea I think is that it refers to a whole new value system where the things that God gives are highly valued, not the stuff that, that normally we associate with being valuable. Um, you know, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Intimacy. That's what Paul can take to Rome, even if he's chained to a Roman soldier, if he's driving a new BMW convertible. It doesn't matter. Because intimacy or blessing for him did not mean Products. It meant face to face. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you. You know there's there's a couple of psalms where they said where, where the psalmist says, Do not turn your face from us. Because in the in the in the in the Hebrew psyche. The whole idea of God looking at them uh, closely was, was their comfort. But that sense of the word, I mean, and when I hear some preachers say, well, he's just going to give you lots of blessings, and I just crunk Because th- that's not what's in this, ladies and gentlemen. That's not what's in Romans um, 15, 29. And it's not what's crammed into the Word. And it's not what the Beatitudes mean. Happy are those that are poor in spirit. No. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit. So two different things. Now, okay, that's my pet peeve. Um, now, actually, I'd like to speak on it longer because this next subject is something I know next to nothing about. <laughs> Let me read to you. I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and the fresh in your company. Now, what is Paul asking them for? What? Prayer. Prayer. That's what I don't know anything about. Prayer. He's asking them to pray. Now, 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 guys, first of all, there are two specifics that are mentioned in this text. Uh, he wants to be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea. Remember, he's taking the money to Jerusalem and he's not, he's not liked in Jerusalem. He's the one that they arrested in the temple, you know, and uh, you know, it was a big mess and they don't like Paul. Paul is a turncoat. He is a, he's a traitor to Judaism. And so he's about to back, he's about to go back over there and he says, pray. Pray that I'll be delivered from those unbelievers and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Pray for those things. Now, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) um, Paul pleads that the Roman church would pray for him. By the way, this is not the only time. I've, I've found one, two, three, four, five, six other places where Paul, the apostle Paul, pleads for the prayers of God's people. Um, I guess this seems to be particularly urgent because he's he's headed into the the, uh, the mouth of a lion going to Jerusalem with this money. Now, guys, l- l- let me let me just draw some lessons out of this little paragraph, and I'm gonna save that little last minute diction for next week. Let me just draw some lessons out of out of the words that are found here where Paul is making requests that people pray for it, Okay? First of all, just a quick little observation. Did you notice the Trinity mentioned in verse 30? I appeal to you brothers by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the spirit to strive together with me in your prayers to God. There's the Trinity mentioned there, ladies and gentlemen, all unpacked in one verse. And by the way, uh, when we say we believe in the Trinity, there is not a teaching passage in the entire Bible on the Trinity. If you ask me to give you a a pericope on on the Trinity, I could not do it. But I've got all kinds of texts that do just this thing. Putting all three of them side by side. There's the Trinity for you. Uh, Secondly. Um, Paul views prayer as a weapon. He mentions that in Ephesians chapter 6. You remember he says, put on the helmet of salvation and take up the sword of the spirit and do all this business. And he lists prayer as a part of the armor that we're supposed to to put on. Now, here's the thing that I'd like to spend some time on. And I don't have a whole lot, but... um, Um, I want you to know what he says. Uh, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit to strive together with me. Um, um, That's the word. Actually, that's not the word. There's a prefix on it um you pronounce that agonizomai does that sound like anything about um, agonize agonizomai um the word agon just this uh, uh, the, the the root of the word agon refers to a, some type of athletic contest more specifically most most specifically to wrestling what Paul does is he puts um, a prefix on it. He says, strive together. That together is right here in that one word. That's the one word that is translated strive together. Uh, the together comes from that simple little prefix, sum. Uh, you know, you, we do that symmetry. You know, that we, we picked that up and brought it in English language. But, um, but, the, but the word that I wanted you to see is this one. Agonizomai. This thing called prayer, ladies and gentlemen, is a piece of agony. Do you remember when um, Jesus was in the garden and he was praying and he says that he was in agony and he sweat those drops of blood? Same word. Um... Remember when Jesus says strive to enter the kingdom? Same word. Um, Maybe one of the reasons that we're all so bad at it is because it's so difficult. It requires the strongest of exertion. It requires agonizomai. and so we avoid it because we don't want to pay that. I think that's I, I, there's there's other problems. I think um, because we don't understand it, do we? I mean, for instance, it's in Matthew chapter six, verse eight, where Jesus says, "The Father knows what you need before you ask Him." Then why in the devil am I supposed to ask? I don't know. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't know. But I, I do want. I, I've got a quote here. I want to read you in a minute that I think is just marvelous. But, but before I I, I say get to the quote, I, I need to say this, and because we can't get that much time. But um, does prayer produce anything? Um. Well. Um. Let me just say this. I think, it's, I think it's clear from the text that Paul believes it does. That is, that the assumption that underlies Paul's request for these people to pray for him is an assumption that their prayers produces something. Um, I told you he asked for those two specifics. You can see they're both there. Um, and both of them were answered. Just not in the way that Paul thought they were going to be. For instance, when he goes to Jerusalem here, you know he ends up in a Roman jail. On this trip to Jerusalem that he's saying he's about to take, this is the one where he ends up, he goes to the temple, he takes Trophimus with him. I mentioned it Sunday. It's in Acts 23. (coughs) He takes this Greek in there, and the Jews are so uh, incensed that they want to kill him and the romans come in and snatch him out of there. Now, um was he protected from the unbelievers in Judea? Yeah, he was. But you never you never know what Paul had in mind. But I'm not sure he was thinking that roman soldiers were going to have to come snatch him out of the the grasp of the Jews in the temple. Um you know, guys, um, does prayer work? Does it change anything? Well, you know, I've said this several times. Does prayer change God? Nonsense. Utter nonsense. If, if prayer changes God, then stop all this talk about an immutable God. God is, God is mutable if your prayer changes God. But does prayer change things? And I've always said, yeah, sure, it changes us. And that's true. But does it change anything else? Does it work? Paul thought it did. And for heaven's sakes, if Paul requests prayer, how much more about you and me? You know, guys, um, I'm not sure i got time to tell this story, but um, back in, um, I guess it was August and, um, these two little people were right with me back in August. Um, um, the Lockhart's, I was asked to speak at, at, uh, Federal Express. You all remember that? And I'm telling you uh, that cost me a couple of nights sleep and much diarrhea. Um, <laughs> uh, that was just awful. I mean, <laughs> I, I was stressed for days uh, about doing that. I mean, and and because I was there to present just the the, the claims of Christianity, and um, and that's fine. I can do that. I can do that. I, that's not a problem for me. The problem was there was t- t- I was to leave twenty minutes for questions and answers. That did me in because I just knew it was right around the Chick Fil A. Uh, uh, thing that was going on and, uh, you know, and the Christians came out and ate chicken sandwiches and we couldn't get to the drive-through because the cars were all the way, you know, it was right then and I knew I was walking into this thing and somebody was going to. And I had prepared, but I prayed and I asked you to pray. Um, You know what? Nobody ever asked that question. In fact, I, I go so far as to say the questions that they did ask were easy. I believe with every fiber of my being that God did that in response to the prayers of me and you. Now, am I, am I trying to prepare all this, this is easy to talk about, guys. This is easy. Because I, I I really believe that one of the, the the shortcomings of all of us in terms of being praying people is that we are not willing to pay this price. This is work. Very frankly, ladies and gentlemen, I have a wonderful devotional life. I've told you that before. I mean, every morning, it's me and God and His Word. Every yeah, every morning, uh, and it's it's just been my my salvation I mean it's just been wonderful i but but it's far easier studying the scriptures than it is to pray I can study the scriptures for two hours but praying 20 minutes is really tough isn't it but my point is this is easy to teach we all recognize that we all, we all um, say, yeah, well, you know, I decided I was going to pray some more. And so I I'd said, okay, I'm going to get down here and I'm going to pray. And the first time I looked at my watch, I'd been down for three and a half minutes. And I was out of things to pray about. Um, this is work and that, and you see it in these words. I'm just trying to draw some lessons out of what he says, strive together. It's agonize. It's agonizing. The big problem is, does it produce anything? Is it worth it? Does it work? Um, And in my studying just to do this tonight, I ran into this quote from Robert Haldane. Now, um, you know, I've got about, uh, I don't know, five commentaries that I read just to, and one of them is Haldane's. And Haldane, I've mentioned his name before. Um, he's He's not a Puritan, but he's close to it. There was a sentence in his pages that really said something that I believe. And it helps me. I hope it'll help you too, but I'm not sure it will, but it helped me. This is what he said. He requires to be asked and asked repeatedly and earnestly for the things which he has promised to bestow. He knows what I need before I ask, but he requires of me that I ask and I ask repeatedly and I ask earnestly. Now, I don't, I'm not, I'm not saying that that answers all your questions, Um, but it's, it's nice to simply know that he requires of me. He requires of me. That he be asked repeatedly and earnestly for the things that he's already promised to give me. Um, I'll read you one other. This is from Hodge, Charles Hodge, but it's not as good, I didn't think, but it might appeal to somebody else. Prayer, prayer has a real and important efficacy. Uh, and then he's got some words that, and then I skipped those but also in securing the blessings for which we pray. Charles Hodge, probably the greatest um, theologian that America produced in the 20th century, says that there is a securing of the blessing for which we pray through this thing that we call prayer. Um... Do you believe that? Do you believe that God requires to be asked and asked repeatedly and earnestly for the things for uh, which he has promised to bestow? Do you believe that? Then it would change the way we pray. It would change how much we pray. It would change how we pray. Um, is Alan Greer here? Um, Alan Greer, you know, his sweet little wife, I don't think he minds me telling this, but Alan Greer... Um, they had a scare you know uh, they had a little cancer bout about what a year ago, Dennis was it that long I, um something like that and and so gay went through all this this chemo treatment et cetera, et cetera and, and um they they pretty much believed that she's in remission or it's gone or it's dead or it's you know and that she was well and then she um she had a backache. so she went into the the doctor and and um and they were just scared to death you know, that it was cancer back, et cetera. Well, they got this wonderful report. Wonderful report. No, it's just this, yada, yada, yada. And so the elders had been praying for Alan. I had been praying for Alan. And Alan sent us a little email. And he said, I can't tell you how much we're rejoicing in the goodness of God, yada, 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 yada. But he said this. He said, I forget his word. I'm going to use the word earnestly, but somebody maybe can help me. He said, I know when I pray earnestly, and I know when I don't. And so do I. And so do you. He requires to be asked and asked repeatedly and earnestly for the things which he has promised to bestow. Um... I posed this question to you. I said, does it work? Um, Well, if you're looking for blessing, like I defined the word earlier, not only does it work, it's the only thing that does work. And what the church of Jesus Christ has done is said, No, we don't need to do it like that. We can just rely upon human ingenuity, church growth methods, and we can produce blessing. And so what we've got today is a congregation of 75,000 who are listening to a man preach about health and wealth and telling Oprah, absolutely nothing about the gospel of Jesus Christ and calling himself America's preacher. That's what we got. Not only does it work, ladies and gentlemen, but it's the only thing that does work. Our Father, I do pray that you would um, arouse slumbering saints, including this one, to be more earnest uh, in our praying. We know when we pray earnestly, and we know when we don't. So, Father, um, send us to our knees, um, perhaps before the end of this day, but certainly before The next 24 hours have passed to earnestly beseech you for things that are genuinely spiritual blessing. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name. Amen.